You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling in the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to those people who bring all that is good and true and beautiful into our lives. I call out to these people that carry the legacy, the rich and strong and open-hearted legacy of people who lived in their time, met the challenges of their time in a good way, and in this way have for the living this rich, rich resource of ways for humans to be in the world in a way that creates a world that is good for those who are coming. And I call out for these ancestors to come and be with us here today, to be close, to whisper in our ears, and to help us to understand how to meet the challenges of our own time. Not simply by covering everything over just with dollops of what used to be done, but with really understanding the issues of our time and bringing our skills to bear in a way that creates something truly new and beautiful. And so I call out for these ancestors to bring this rich legacy around us and to be with us here today, bringing all the good and true and beautiful ancestors around us. And I call out for those non-human ancestors. I call out for the life here on this planet that was here long before there was a human. I call out to these ancestors as well to help us to remember our true nature, to not make things so unbelievably complicated, and to allow our true nature to remind our heart that it is here to bring something very special to this great fabric of life. And so I ask these spirits of nature to be with us here today to help us to understand how to be here, how to be here living and incarnate in a way that is in harmony and draws uh, teaching from all of these great, great wise ancestors around us. So with the ancestors gathering round, Let us draw our own awareness from wherever it might be into our head and from our head to our hearts and from our hearts down into our bellies and from our bellies let us reach down and take a moment and stop everything and touch the earth and take a moment to offer your profound gratitude for this day. Gratitude for all that has been in your life that has brought you to this moment, all that you have come to understand that has made you who you are. And all of those things that you still haven't figured out what the point was. But it was there nonetheless, and it is a gift waiting to be opened. And we give great gratitude for that journey that has brought you to this moment here today. And we give thanks for this day and all that is in it, all that is potential and all that is empty. We give thanks for all of it. And we give thanks for what is to come without needing to know what that is, but with our passionate commitment to do what it is that we have come here to do without being attached to the outcome. And we give great gratitude to the earth for the dreaming that has brought life as we experience it to the face of this planet. We are certainly not the only life that has ever been here, and there have been other phases of life that could not support us. And so we give gratitude for this time, for the time in which we are here creating and manifesting and all that supports us in doing that. And we give thanks for the miracle of life. And with gratitude flowing from our hearts for these and so much more, let our energy continue to move down through the earth, allowing our gratitude to pour out in every layer of the earth until we reach the very center of the earth. And anchor our energy firmly there and begin to connect in to the deep stillness and silence and solitude, to that place of energy that is in the darkness, in that place before it becomes something, that which we gestate before it becomes the great idea, for that energy that is prior to the actual thing. We connect to this nutritive source 
this energy at the heart of it all and we draw this energy up up into our life up into our body up into our day up into these proceedings bringing with it this essence of restoration and rejuvenation and replenishment bringing with it this wisdom of the earth which is how to be here in form the wisdom of manifestation how do we do this thing in form in a good way we give great gratitude for all that rises up from the earth into our being and may we use this energy to ground ourselves to ground ourselves and understand who am I and where do I stand and given where I stand in life and what is worth living for let me build a sense of home and from that sense of home let me create a sense of family and a sense of belonging and let me do this in a way that is not tied to a specific place a specific nationality a specific bloodline even let me do this in a way that opens to the other that allows those things which challenge me and make me look deeply at who I am to come and sit at my table at dinner and be fed, be nourished. And may I be grateful for those things in my life that challenge me to become the woman or the man that I have come here to be. Let us be in this relationship with our sense of place, our sense of home, our sense of belonging. And with this energy of the earth, let us reach out through the connection with ourself, to our connection with our environment, our connection with other living things, and our connection with those things that are not in form, those energies that are here with us nonetheless. We give great gratitude for this great web of life, and may we come into a moment of understanding in each day of that oneness. And may we take our right relationship from that. And let us draw the energy of the earth up from the belly to the heart and the heart to the mind and out and up the top of the head, out through the sky and whatever weather it holds for you on this day. Out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos, all the way out through all the great mysteries, the heavenly bodies, all the energy that is our cosmos, reaching all the way up and out to the highest power of the universe and connect with this energy in whatever way you know this energy connect with it and begin to draw it down drawing into yourself and your day and into these proceedings the energy of blessing the energy of protection and generosity the energy of devotion and commitment we call these energies in drawing in inspiration and illumination we call these energies in that we might feel the benevolence of our universe we draw down all the wisdom of the cosmos and our connection to our great, great ancestors from far away. We call these energies in that we might feel the beneficence of this existence. We call this in and allow it to come in from our head to our heart and our heart to our belly and send it down to the center of the earth so that these two energies, earth and sky, can be connected to each other. Not only in us, but through us, that they meet each other in their own realm. And in this way, these two great legendary lovers come together and they inspire the big love that gave birth to all this experience of form. And we may this big love awaken our hearts, awaken the true spirit of our heart to open up this great crucible of the heart, which I think we talked about last week. May the crucible of the heart open and call up the fiery passions of the belly that have some deep, deep knowing of why we are here and call down the crystal clarity of the mind that says that's great but this is how we have to do it because this is the world that we are in and we call these energies together in the heart and we ask them through their dynamic tension the friction of these two very different energies rubbing up against each other to give birth to this third most sacred thing which is some sense some memory some feeling some inkling of why you are here and may you find in that very same heart, that human heart, the courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring that gift that you have to bring to the world, to bring it out, to make it manifest, and to give it in some way in this day. So for all the helping spirits gathering around us that we might do this, I give thanks. And I give thanks to you, to Brett, to Belle, to Robin, Sherwood, Katrina, Gretchen, and Evelyn. I give thanks to all of you who have been able to donate to the show financially. You all keep the show on the air. For those of you that are tuning in for the first time, this Why Shamanism Now is listener supported. And that is your donations that pay the bills that keep the show on the air 
and on the internet in the archives in three different places so that people from all over who can get onto the internet can get to these shows for free. The archives are practically 300 hours now of different things. And it's a great resource that you provide to your fellow mankind. And so I give great thanks to those of you that are helping me to do that. I could not do it alone and I would not. And so it is with your support that this happens. And so if this show moves you in any way, even if it moves you to irritation and frustration, which is, of course, what the show is even about today, you have been moved in the heart. And if so, allow that to move you into action in some way to help the show to grow. Please feel free to donate at whyshamanismnow.com. At the, click the support button. You can donate any amount, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And do all of those other things that many of you are much wiser than I about doing that can help the show, show to grow through connecting others to the show, through sharing your challenges with trying to live some of the things we talk about on the show, to share your questions, to share your show ideas, um, but also to simply Bring these ideas into your life and see what happens. And for all of these many ways that you help me find a reason to do this and find a way to do this, for all of these many ways, I give great gratitude to you. And I give thanks to Ken at CoCreatorNetwork.com for giving us the technical means and the space here in uh, cyberspace to do what we're doing. And so I give thanks to everyone, everyone that makes the show live and real. And speaking of live, we are live today. So if you have any questions about today's topic, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. Or you can Skype in from co-creatornetwork.com or email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. So our show today is about gratitude. And it is particularly about giving gratitude for the hard stuff in life. So obviously... This is because Thanksgiving's happening this week in the United States. And I've always kind of liked Thanksgiving because it's always felt to me like the safe holiday. So, um, and now there's always the family issue for some of you around Thanksgiving. But other than that, it's always seemed to me to be the perfect number of days, um, no gifts involved, just food, food's a good thing. And it always seemed to me that it was this simple, non-denominational reason everybody could gather. Um, but I am also an ignorant American, raised in the public school with public school books, which, by the way, is an unbelievably political and toxic system, which has very little to do with any relationship with the truth. Public school books, by the way, not Thanksgiving. So anyway... Uh, the issue with school books is, of course, that they utterly abuse the power of the storyteller from anywhere 12 to 13 years of the lives of a typical American child. And that's a problem. But nonetheless, I give thanks for all of the great teachers in my life who mitigated the travesty of American school books and taught me to think, who rewarded me for questioning and rewarded me for finding deeper, truer answers that didn't make me sick to my stomach. So I give thanks for teachers. So here in the U.S., people are preparing for Thanksgiving. So for those of you that aren't in the U.S., let's review why we Americans are giving thanks this week. Now, in public school, I was taught that the Pilgrims sailed off course and landed not in Virginia in the winter, but Massachusetts in the winter. Now, for those of you that are unfamiliar with the United States, Massachusetts has humid summers and cold, snowy winters. Massachusetts has its share of extreme winter weather. It is prone to enjoy nor'easters, which are really, really cold, nasty winter storms, which are intermixed with just generally severe winter storms. Virginia, on the other hand, while also humid in the summer, has generally mild temperate weather peppered with the occasional severe summer or winter storm. In other words, the pilgrims did not pack properly and they were screwed. So, this is glossed over, of course, in the story, and it's offered to us as little American kids that the friendly and unselfish contribution of the indigenous Americans, who were, of course, already here, saved the pilgrims who were badly in need. And they gathered happily ever after for Thanksgiving, 
to thank these generous people for saving their pilgrim butts. Amen. Okay. Now, what is actually somewhat more true is that English explorers um, prior to the arrival of the pilgrims had wiped out most of the coastal indigenous population with smallpox, thank you very much, and slavery. And because of this, there were open fields ready for planting because the people had been taken into slavery or had died from smallpox. So you would think this would be good news for the pilgrims, but clearly not for those who have died of smallpox or were now in slavery. So back to the pilgrims. You would think this would be good news, but no, because the pilgrims came with their techniques of planting, hunting, and fishing that they had learned where they came from. If they had learned any of that at all, because some of them that came were accountants or religious clerics or this or that or the other thing and had no skills, right? So here they are arriving on a new land. They can't plant properly for the new land. They can't hunt properly for the new land. And they can't even fish properly for the new land. So once again, the pilgrims screwed themselves. So... Now, because of the spiritual practices of these indigenous people, yes, the same indigenous people that have been wiped out in the coastal regions by the sailors, these same people uh, and their spiritual practices are to give charity to the helpless. The pilgrims were looking pretty helpless. And hospitality to anyone who came to them with empty hands. So the pilgrims were actually taught how to survive and how to successfully plant, hunt, and fish on this new land, which they had taken. (laughs) Okay, so yes, the indigenous people did save the pilgrims. And while we might want to talk about how they might regret that decision to save the pilgrims, we all know well that the flood of people was only just beginning. That one way or another, what happened was inevitable at that time with that current thinking. So, the purpose of Thanksgiving here in the United States is not actually to give thanks to these people who saved their butts and assured the survival of the pilgrims. That the indigenous people in question were members of a very widespread confederacy um, of Algonquin-speaking people known as the League of Delaware. And they were actually invited to that Thanksgiving feast for the purpose of negotiating a treaty that would secure the lands of the Plymouth Plantation for the pilgrims. And though they were the invited guests, these lovely indigenous people ended up bringing the majority of the feast. So it's just the kind of guests I like, bringing the food. Um, So maybe it's the beginning of the American tradition of potluck. Anyway, so these same people who saved the lives of our pilgrim ancestors would later pay the ultimate price as they were killed and forced off their homeland. So what are we giving thanks for? The pilgrims were the immigrants, and what are our attitudes about immigrants today? Perhaps you can give thanks for all of the food on your table that is only there because of all of the illegal immigrants that are part of our farming system that made sure you could get that food to your table at a price you wanted to pay. The descendants of the pilgrims, of course, then betrayed all of their treaties and took not just the wisdom of how to live off the land from the indigenous people, but took the land. And now, ultimately, we, the descendants of the pilgrims, have betrayed the fertility of the land itself, with our practices in agriculture, fracking, manufacturing, etc., all these things we do that pollute and destroy the earth. So what are we giving gratitude for? The fact that there's actually food on our table this year, given all that we have done that is at odds with the fecundity and abundance of this planet? So what's my point? It's really not to ruin your Thanksgiving. It's, frankly, I've ruined my own getting ready for this show. But that's not my point. My point is that we live in very complex times and that it is not safe to just take what you were spoon-fed as a kid without question, without testing the veracity of the truth yourself. And our times are complex times because they are a reflection of our complex inner relationship with our truth. And they are complex because they are a reflection of our lack of truth in our relationship with ourselves. These times are complex because this is what we need to see 
reflected so that we can grapple with that which is needed to wake us up to a life that embodies a simpler truth. If we could be simpler in our relationship with our inner truth, which I would give gratitude for every night at my table, the world would be able to become simpler because the world has to reflect us. So our life is calling us out in this complexity. Our life is calling us out in every moment to have a rich and robust relationship with it. The challenge is that much of that calling out comes in the form of things we don't like. We want it to be the peak of a meditation, an awesome trance dance class, or a great, great high from yoga. Right? That's how we want to be called out. But the truth is we are getting called out by the things that upset us, by the things that shut us down, by the things that break our hearts, by the great losses and the enormous frustration, and any of the other many things that rise in each day that we say no to. And then, of course, there are many of us who actually just expect life to entertain us. And when it doesn't, we get very angry and decide it's okay to shoot people because our life didn't entertain us. This is how far we have gotten from understanding that it is our responsibility to engage our life in a meaningful way, in a robust, life-giving relationship. When we learn to live in right and robust relationship with life, frankly, like the indigenous people that saved the butts of the pilgrims, when we learn to live in this way, with the attitude and the skills to receive each gift life offers us with yes, even when we don't like it, to thank life for its great abundance of the gifts that we need to become our true selves. Every day it's being handed to us. And then in this process of unwrapping that gift, we can discover ourselves, And this is the way life renews us. This is the way our vitality is restored. If we could flip all those no switches to yes switches, life would surge through us. And we would discover ourselves. And this is the deal here for anyone who chooses to adjust their attitude to recognize this is about our choices and how we hold ourselves in our relationship with life. Life holds this possibility out to every one of us equally. And this is part of the sophisticated and profound teachings of shamanic people around the globe. How to live life in a way that says yes to life's gifts, all of them and offers us the skills to then open the gifts we don't want to, such that life can then renew us and restore our vital life force because we have done the unwrapping, the grappling with this gift and found the part of ourself that is locked behind that no that we've been saying to life. So I'm not talking about just noticing coincidences and communicating with your spirit guides. I'm talking about what it takes to be in a rich and robust relationship with life, the one that we need to be in to be able to give gratitude for the hard stuff. So my challenge for you all is to figure out a gratitude for the hard stuff blessing for your Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday. The truth is we're not actually entitled to anything, anything, not air, not water, not food. Everything is a gift. And for these gifts to continue to flow, we must give thanks. Gratitude is not only something that we, that we need to feel. It must take form. It's not enough to just feel grateful. My gratitude must take form. I need to manifest it. Gratitude must be part of our labor, part of our love, and part of the wisdom of our day. It is not enough to even just say thank you. 
gratitude must be made concrete through action and intent. So how do we then show this kind of true gratitude in our action and intent for the gifts that come to us from life through the doors labeled pain, labeled betrayal, labeled heartbreak, labeled all the lessons we got from our imperfect parents? Right? How do we say yes to these gifts and give sincere and deep felt gratitude for them? Because the gift wrapped up in its package called my issues with my father or whatever we want to call it, uh, my broken dreams at 16 when I blew my knee out and couldn't become the whatever athlete I wanted to be. I'm not being dismissive of these dreams or these feelings. What I'm being dismissive of is the way we carry these gifts, gifts around with us unwrapped. We just carry them around. Big old pile of unopened gifts. And what I'm talking about is how do we engage with these gifts? Truly give gratitude for them and say thank you and engage in the labor of unwrapping. How do we gain the skills to do that and understand this is what is required if we are to live engaged with life in a way that it renews our very vitality from our willingness to cultivate an attitude of yes, thank you. So, we're not really entitled to anything. For the gifts to flow, we must give gratitude. So how do we give these sincere thanks for the hard stuff in life? How do we give a hardcore blessing of gratitude at Thanksgiving? So we all have family drama, right? So let's add up how many hours of your life you have spent doing anything from whining through all the other various behaviors until just simply being stressed out until we get to the other spectrum here, which is sheer fearful panic about your family and its issues, about the idea of going home for Thanksgiving or simply never ever choosing to go home for Thanksgiving because it's just too awful. Okay, so you added all those hours up, right? You did the math, right? Okay, how many hours? Way too many, right? Frankly, any time spent in that is too much because time spent in that is time spent saying no to the gift. So how do we mine this field of rich gifts? How do we mine this field and all that it offers us and give thanks for all of our family? Not just the parts we like, not just that one sister we still talk to, but all of our family and all of it that is simply awful. So I didn't say we have to like them. That's not required here. I didn't even say you have to go visit them for Thanksgiving. I said, how do we give sincere thanks for the gifts inherent in our family of origin? Okay, how? Number one, first off, you need healthy boundaries. And to have healthy boundaries, you must be grounded. Ah, yes, we're back to boundaries and grounding. Again. <laughs> okay. So what are the journeys that we do because you haven't listened about boundaries and grounding and now you're realizing, oh, this is why I need boundaries and grounding. How do I do that? Well, you could journey and ask, so show me the boundaries I need to be able to harvest the gifts in my family of origin. What boundaries do I have is question number two. And you look at those things and most people go, hmm, shit, I don't have the boundaries I need to be able to unwrap these gifts. So, what needs to happen to close that gap is journey number three. Now, of course, you could do all the same journeys for grounding as well, okay? The bottom line here is, however many years we are into this show, what, six, eight, I can't even count right now, lots, right? <laughs> if you haven't been cultivating grounding and boundaries daily, how can you expect to have them? They're not going to get, you know supply dropped down from the realm of the angels. You have to actually manifest your own boundaries and grounding. And you can't even begin to hope to cultivate the capacity to open the kind of gifts I'm talking about in life and live in that kind of robust relationship with it. If you don't if you're not grounded and you don't have boundaries. 
moving on. I'm not even going to get up. I'm not even going to get on that soapbox. It's over there in the corner. I'm not dragging it out. I'm not going there. There's many shows about that. Go listen to them. Instead, I'm staying on topic. So, to the extent that visiting your family isn't about sharing love. Now, for many of you, it is. It's beautiful. And that's great. So, to the extent that visiting your family is not about sharing love, it is about reconnaissance. Why? Because if you stop reacting or shutting down as you always have when you get into those family patterns and just pay attention, you don't have to do anything. Just watch. Be a spy. Do your reconnaissance. Observe how the energy in your family dynamics moves. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to engage it. Just watch. It's reconnaissance. And then, given the abundance of gifts you will discover from your reconnaissance, because, of course, if you're just reacting in the old patterns, you're, you're missing it. You're in it again. right? You're flailing in it again. So you want to just observe. Be present. Notice. Reconnaissance. Right? So you'll end up with this big old pile of gifts, right? And you'll begin to see how generous life is, all that it has been trying to offer you through your family. It's been here all along. You actually didn't need to go out and look for this outside of that. It was all right here all along. So now choose to orient in your heart to see the beauty and the sweetness in life all around you. In other words, orient yourself to see the gift properly. I'm not saying see the sweetness and beauty in your family. I'm saying in life. And allow that energy to move into your heart. Find the courage then to feel your feelings without judgment. And because of that, to orient in acceptance and not denial. And I would also add to that in acceptance and not indulgence. Because when it comes to our family of origin patterns, there is nothing we enjoyed indulging more than that familiar drama. So this is the art of inward focus then when we are exploring a gift. To find the courage, you know, to connect with the sweetness and beauty of life. To let that move into your heart so you can find the courage to feel your feelings without judgment, without denial or indulgence. To simply accept them and feel them not accept them intellectually but accept the feeling of them this is the art of inward focus when we are exploring a gift any gift we don't like so this orientation in the heart without judgment radiates caring true kindness and unselfish love into you and your unwrapping process and into the world so For those of you who have really, really stuck family patterns, radiating caring, true kindness, and unselfish love into the world will really confuse them. Remember, this isn't about them. It's about you opening your presence. So why not just confuse the crap out of them by just radiating loving kindness and focusing on your inner work, which you now can see to do because you're with these lovely people who have offered you so many gifts. And these are all the gifts you pre-programmed this family to give to you when you were one with all things and you chose this life. And I don't mean that in a simplistic New Age way. I mean this in get with the program and learn to give gratitude for these hard things. Because if we can do that, we can get on with becoming the people we came here to be and doing what we've come here to do. So, after all of this, then... Choose to learn from the mistakes you have made and the undesired outcomes you have created from living these family patterns. You know, so you've, you've opened your gift. You've understood it now. You've understood yourself differently. You may have even rescued an aspect of yourself. Now learn from it. Choose to learn and all that that implies about how one orients in the world uh, when he or she is open to learning open to the yes, the big yes. Choose to learn in a way that you are then able to act in new ways. Choose Choosing to learn includes the experience of learning and the storage of that information to be used in the future and the release of knowledge 
that you realize doesn't work or you have outgrown. And the choice to remember what works and use it again. This is all what it means to choose to learn. And so in your reconnaissance, what you have learned about um, is you've learned what throws you off balance. And the beliefs that you have taken on about who you are and who you can't be, who you have to be, who you should be, and any beliefs that you've taken on about your purpose in the world. This is priceless information. And opening these gifts can help you to learn. So when you can actually choose to act from a place of balance and wholeness, because you've explored all those things that, that you've learned from your family that set you off balance, then from that vantage point, you can begin to see yourself more clearly. And then more simply find your work in the world. If you can see yourself clearly, your work is clear. If you can't see yourself clearly, the work is rarely clear. Okay, so to work um, with our, our energies in the heart that are snarled or broken is the path to learning to be wholehearted. So by unwrapping our doubt, doubt in ourselves, doubt in our dreams, doubt in whatever, whatever it is, unwrapping our doubt, we learn what can clear, clarify our heart. By opening the doors we have closed because of fear or pain or whatever in the past, we gain our wisdom. By engaging with all the gifts that taught us to play small, to discover, we then can discover the fullness, the bigness of our wild hearts, right? And by engaging with all the gifts that taught us to swell our egos into grandiosity, to hide our insecurities, in that we would discover our true strength. So to choose to act from this place of balance and wholeness, and reorient our awareness ultimately means that our actions can become motivated by a whole heart. And in this way, your actions can lead to right livelihood that is ecologically sound, that is economically sound, that has benefits for you and for others, and that encourages service that strengthens and enriches your community ties. This is big, this is big stuff. And this is exactly the path that is available for us, available for us when we choose to give gratitude for the hard stuff and to live in a way that every day is available for that activity. So the important thing is all of this and more. If we stop talking about our family of origin stuff, stop whining about it, and most importantly, stop being afraid of it. If we give thanks for all the crap in your family, and receive the gifts, then we gain everything that the obstacle that was put before us we call family is the path. Not the family, the obstacle we gained from it. That is the path. And so when we begin to live in this way, saying yes to life with grounded healthy boundaries, we can see what is not apparent and begin to live in a good relationship with the physical and non-physical world equally. And this is a way of life that requires that we drop absolutely the biggest gift of all, which is this big, fat lie of separation that is so fundamental to our Western thought, philosophy, religion, spirituality. So choosing to see and to operate in the physical and non-physical world equally or appropriately uh, requires that we relate to the matrix of energy that supports all life and that we take our place in this oneness of things. And that's what I believe the live separation is the big gift for, to teach us finally to understand that this is a lie and the deeper truth under that lie is the oneness. And oneness comes from learning to say yes to life especially the things we want to say no to and to accept these gifts, to acquire the skills we need to unwrap them and to let the party begin. So when we live in this state of healthy yes, of gratitude for all of it, then we are choosing to be accountable for the flow of energy in the interchange of love, knowledge, and work in the physical and non-physical world. And this is a way of living in gratitude and responsibility and reciprocity with life.
Okay, so that's all well and good. That's my family stuff. But what about death? That's a hard one to unwrap for a lot of people. The death of a parent, the death of a child. What about the death of a dream? The loss and the emptiness that comes from it. How do you say yes to the crippling pain of grief, of being gutted by life and left empty? Well, to say yes to this, everything else I've already said is still true. But for this, for this great gift that comes with great pain, we must learn to step in and step out. So it's one of the great uh, generosities, I think, in grief is that it doesn't force us to deal with it 100% in the moment. Grief gives us time. It rises, it falls, it has its own sort of flow through our lives. But we can stop it. And in the stopping of our grief, we will stop our life. It's critically important to grieve openly and fully for the losses in our life. And so what I mean by step in and step out is that there are some gifts. The unwrapping of some gifts requires that we, we jump in, we work with it, we discover things, we unwrap the things, and then we go, man, I am going into overwhelm. I can't do this. I'm too tired. And we learn to step out. So this is what I mean by this, that there is this in grief, you know, there is this generosity that we don't have to do it all at once. It comes and goes. So we greet it when it comes. And do not pretend you haven't lost something because then you are lying to yourself. When grief rises, do not pretend your life hasn't changed because again, you would be lying to yourself. And this goes back to what I was saying before about having the courage to feel your feelings. At the same time, do not indulge the drama that your life is over. Because again, you are lying to yourself. As you sit there with grief, feeling your feelings, what is dead and gone? And how do you let it go? What is actually left living and breathing? I cannot tell you how many children lose soul parts because their parent never grieves the loss of another child. And so that refusal to grieve the death of one child creates years of soul loss in the rest. What is still living and breathing? Maybe it's just you. But in this conversation with grief, in that emptiness, when you are bereft, you can begin to touch, actually allow grief to help you touch what is eternal, what is not dead or gone or still living. It simply is. What is eternal? What abides? What are the deeper things? And when that's more than you can be with, open your eyes, open your awareness to all that is around you. Be grateful for the beauty, for the breeze, for the food, for the whatever. Be grateful for things around you and grab that rope and pull yourself out and get on with your day. You still have a purpose and no one else is going to live it for you. You don't have to feel good about doing it. Do it anyway. That part of dealing with these excruciatingly painful things is to not suffer over our suffering. Step into it, go into it all that you can. And when you can't, grab that lifeline that can come if we simply open our awareness out to the whole of life and give gratitude and pull ourselves out, hitch up our britches, get on with the day. You don't have to feel good about it. Do it anyway. It's important. It's important to live. You don't have to like it. The liking of life again will come particularly in a way that is different and robust in a different way 
when this horrific gift that comes to us through grief is unwrapped entirely. So when we say yes to all of the gifts, we can learn then to step in and out of the really big ones. It's hard. I get it. We need to know what, you know, what's really hard is what do you say when people are doing this, right? What do you say when someone's experienced a great loss? A child, a dream, a marriage, a leg, their eyesight. It's hard. Don't say, well, everything is as it should be, right? Be honest. Say, I don't know what to say to you. I wish I did. I wish I was a better person and knew what to say. Say something that you're grateful for in that person, perhaps. Or maybe something you were grateful for in the person who was lost. You could say, yeah, remember when we were seven and we were down at the river and we shouldn't have been? And the water was really high and I slipped on that mossy log and I fell. And I was just about to get caught in that current and swept to who knows where. And I was sure I was going to die. And you reached in with that right arm of yours and you grabbed me and you hauled me out. I'm going to miss that right arm of yours. It saved my life. I'm really sorry it's gone now. I love that right arm. You can say that. Whatever you say, just be honest. Because these gifts that take us to our very core, they are about our truth and about our honesty. They have cut through the crap we tell ourselves every day. All the bullshit, all the white lies, all the, well, I didn't get anything done today and I'm lying about how much time you spent trolling around on Facebook. All the crap to the core. So have the decency and gratitude for that gift to be in that place of honesty and tell the truth. Because gratitude can be offered in these ways that are horrific spiritual bypasses. Everything is as it should be. Your parents did the best they could. What's happening when people do that is they are recognizing the awfulness, the hard thing that's right there, and putting a Band-Aid over it so they can say, I'm above this. Everything is as it should be. I'm actually above this ickiness and don't really have to deal with it. And in this way of spiritual ambition, we avoid the very thing that will bring us to the true brilliance of our spiritual of our spirituality, which is the ability to say yes, thank you to the really hard, painful things in life and unwrap them. So is there something you can offer in a blessing at your Thanksgiving dinner that is true gratitude for something really awful that you've been grappling with within yourself and you've discovered something really beautiful in yourself? Is there a way that you can offer gratitude for that and honor your warriorship, your willingness to get in there and unwrap this painful gift? Or maybe it's that awful thing that showed you something you really don't value in yourself and you really acknowledge now you are doing that, but you've been able to change it and let that part of yourself go. Recycle that energy so that you can create something different and to give gratitude for the gift that allowed you to see this thing you really didn't want to see in yourself and the freedom that has come from being willing to see it. So, ultimately, the gifts are about us. And they are just going to keep on coming if we don't accept them and learn to open them. And our greatest gift in each life is our human flaws. We crafted this life perfectly so that we could manifest these human flaws and then address them, address these issues that then get created in our lives. And by being willing to unwrap these gifts, the hardship that gets created in our life through our flaws, through our humanness, the places where we are certainly not yet perfect. And I think 
this is really important to understand because there's a lot of what I consider new agey ideas that are talking about how humanity is evolving, therefore we don't really need to do that dirty work anymore. I don't necessarily disagree that humanity is evolving. I don't really know because I don't really care. Because the idea that I am so much more whatever, therefore I don't have to look at my own flaws is naive. It's actually pretty gross, to be honest. Because the bottom line is we're all here in our humanity one, to bring our gifts to the world, but we're doing that in a way that we explore our flaws and understand how to be a better person because of them. So a really simple example I think of every day is I'm really a horribly impatient woman. It's, it's really one of my biggest flaws. It's, it's not good. And I live with a man who is very challenged in his communication, verbal communication. He speaks very slowly and he thinks about things a lot and he uses the wrong words in the wrong way a lot. And it's just how he communicates. He's a beautiful communicator, but it's very different. And in the beginning of our relationship, my impatience would just go through the roof. And so grappling with my impatience over him being exactly the way that he is has been a big piece of the um, gifts that I don't like in my relationship that I've had to unwrap and understand what is at the root of my impatience this this human flaw that I carry what is at this root what is it in this impatience that is keeping me from looking at another part of myself I don't know and I don't own. I mean, I own my impatience pretty publicly. That's not the point. The point is when I'm being impatient, who am I not being? Who is here who is not getting addressed? Because instead, I'm being impatient. And so this is what I mean about our human flaws. Is I believe if you were a close enough personal friend of the Dalai Lama, who is, you know, so-and-so incarnate, right? I believe if you were a personal friend of the Dalai Lama, you would sit back with your tea or maybe rice wine and talk about your flaws. That the Dalai Lama is embodied as a human. We're all embodied as humans. If we're here in our bodies as humans, we have flaws. We have pieces in this art project called the human being's life that need our attention to be made more beautiful. And these are the great gifts of our life. It's not really about our family of origin and all the loss and heartbreak along the way. These things are life. But you came here for a reason that is your purpose, but it is also to craft the human. And this is what I'm talking about or trying to talk about here today is how do we craft our humanity so that we can bring out its magnificence so that we can be a generation of people who rose to the challenges of our time went beyond who we imagined that we could be and discovered the unfathomable capacity in the human heart to engage with others, to engage with the environment, to create what is needed for the illnesses of our time. We will not do that simply by being good people and doing the right thing. We will do that by plumbing the gifts plowing in to the gifts that are here in our human flaws and unwrapping them to discover the self that is underneath them because it is those aspects of ourself, that unexposed capacity of the human that brings us into 
our ever so humble magnificence that will allow us to become the people of this time, to be a great generation who allowed ourselves to be called out by life and rose to that challenge. It's important to remember there's no opt-out. We all crafted our lives perfectly so that we could gain whatever it is that we needed to explore these flaws and to bring out the beauty that is inherent in our humanity and to bring it to bear through action in the world. Just like I said in the beginning, gratitude, thank you is not enough. Our gratitude needs to be in our wisdom, in our actions, in our labor of the day, in our thoughts, in our heart. It needs to be part of how we live. So how do you give thanks for those people and experiences and events that show us what we really don't want to see in ourselves? So we must be grateful for this life because we are grateful for our full and flawed self. Not grateful only for the saintly parts of myself and uh, secretly ashamed or um, denying or um, trying to hide those other aspects of ourself. That we need to be grateful for the wholeness of who we are. And if we are grateful for the wholeness of ourself, we can begin to be able to be grateful for the wholeness, for example, of our history. You know, because America was founded, America today, is founded on a horrible, horrible history and a great dream. And until we unpack all of it, we won't manifest the greatness. If we were able to be grateful for all parts of the story, perhaps we could say a blessing of true gratitude at the table. And so here's a possible prayer, a a possible prayer for the table. It's always bothered me when people give thanks for this huge mountain of food and then just hope God's taking care of the people that don't have anything to eat or just acknowledging the people that don't have anything to eat. This is, this is, this is a, a, actually a really good example of gratitude. It's not enough to just wish for it or to be grateful that God will take care of them. We need to take action. It needs to be inherent in the way that we live our life. And so here's my alternative possible blessing for Thanksgiving. May we live sustainably. May we live in peace an active harmony with all living things so that others' lives aren't ransomed for our lifestyle. May we live a heart-centered life with love as the true power that motivates our actions each day. May we live in relationship with our ancestors so that we learn from the past, so that we heal what must change, and so that we preserve that which has meaning and wisdom for those who are coming. May we live with a sense of a higher power that is untranslatable by its own nature. And may we embrace that unknown and its divinity. May this bounty on our table nourish and sustain us to find the courage to live in a way that our descendants will be grateful for us. I am grateful for you because you helped me to do this and I kind of like doing it. I'm grateful for the ancestors and the helping spirits because without them, I would have nothing to say. And I mean that sincerely. They are the teachers in my life and this is what I hope to offer in each show. So I'm grateful for the ancestors and the helping spirits that gather around us. I'm grateful for the earth below and the sky above and for the heart that unites us all. I give great, great gratitude for all of you who are listening. There are opportunities coming up in the new year. Uh, The end of January, there is a 
Dream Conference in the Bahamas. For those of you that want to get out of your nasty winter storms and come and join me in the Bahamas, I'll be on a panel at a conference with people talking about dreams at the end of January. And Massive Illusion in the Authentic Self, the beginning of this cycle, begins July 5th through 10th. It's going to be in Arizona. So these are opportunities in the new year. I hope that you all have a lovely Thanksgiving, whether you are enjoying your family or simply enjoying your friends and a great feast, or whether you are eating in solitude and enjoying that. May you all have a week that we can truly be grateful for. Thank you, everyone. 